Hey everyone, before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about our merch store on Threadless. Shop a wide variety of logos with multiple colors and sizes available for each design. Your support is greatly appreciated and helps us continue to make killer content like this episode. Please visit supercoolradio.threadless.com or the link in the description to shop now. Hello everyone! I am Matthew Thomas. This is Super Cool Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in. I got a great guest with me for this episode. He's part of a fearless concept band signed with Pavement Entertainment that recently released a killer new EP entitled Weathered and Torn. Please welcome Gordon of Images of Eden. Thank you so much for having me, brother. Really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. I I checked out the new EP. I really enjoyed it i got some really cool stuff to talk about and i'm definitely looking forward to chatting with you absolutely man thanks for having me this yeah <laughs> of course now i i did want to start with uh, an interesting question for you i know you guys just played some killer shows what has like been the the best show you've either seen or been a part of Ooh, this tour or just kind of in general uh in general or or tour however you want to uh phrase yeah. it well, I tell you, it, this tour has been insane. I mean, we've played for more sold-out shows than ever. I think the first seven of the first 11 shows were sold out. And uh, so, it, I mean, just to see kind of a sea of people like this, you know, like in sardine mode, is just the best thing ever. Um, but, you know, it, it's funny. I, I still go back to some previous shows. I mean, on our Angel Born tour last year, we were out with Ingvay Malmsteen and uh, – it fluctuated depending on the city. Depending on the city, uh, you know, I always thought that that reactions were going to be kind of across the board, sort of in line. But when we got to Grand Junction, Colorado, I'm not really sure what was in the water up there, but those people were just berserk maniacs. Uh, we got on stage, and it was like after the first song, you'd think it was a Led Zeppelin reunion, and people waiting to see Zeppelin for decades. They just went crazy, and I mean, we were all looking at each other like, "What's up here?" phenomenal show uh i mean and you know when when the audience is freaking out and going berserk that's just like throwing gasoline on our fire so i would major shout out to uh to i believe it was the mesa theater in grand junction colorado they were absolutely awesome oh that that sounds really cool especially when it's an energy exchange when you go to a concert you obviously you give out the energy but the crowd returns the energy as well and when both are connecting it is truly incredible you're exactly right because I don't know that the fans or crowds really truly understand how much impact that they have on us when we're playing live. Because when you see people really getting into it, I scan the crowd. I'm looking at everybody, every single person. I see who's getting into it, who's freaking out. I acknowledge them or I'll sing to them. If somebody's taking video, I'll get right up in front. So when I see stuff like that, that is just uh, that just pushes me even harder. And it's just I hit the gas even harder. And I love it. And that's how it should be, you know. It, the music, especially with your guys' style of music, it's supposed to it's supposed to get people into the music. It's supposed to get people hype. It's supposed to get people energized. 
And uh, when you get when you get that crowd energized, just like in Colorado, it's a good time. Absolutely, yep. And and you're absolutely. We amped it up a little bit for this EP, so yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I I did want to talk about uh, before we talk about the EP. Uh, so the band uh, Images of Eden. How did how did that come together? And um, how did you come up with the name? It was. Um, I'd been in and out of bands, just like most musicians, my whole life. And uh, in 1998, I got into a band. Uh, they, they brought me on board. Uh, it went okay for a little while, but I was kind of at the end of my rope with joining bands because it was never really what I wanted to do. Or there was so there's always that one clown in the band that was causing grief for everybody. And I, I, I was pretty much up to here. And when I was in this particular band, it was no different. And uh, the guy who kind of ran things uh, sent uh, another guy out to fire me. And it was great. It's the best thing that ever happened to me. I said, okay, I'm done. I, you know, I spent a lot of years learning all the instruments. I started on guitar. Then I learned vocals, uh, keyboards, bass, and, and drums. So I had working knowledge of everything to the point to where I could demo out a, a full song. So I said, okay, the time is now. I have a vision. I have a message. I have a sound that I that I want, and I want to do this now, undiluted, unfiltered, and with no one watering it down. So I went into the studio uh, around a little after, at the end of 1998 with a studio drummer friend of mine, and we tracked the first Images of Eden album, which later I kind of started calling Chapter One, long story short. It was an ongoing kind of story. And uh, I had a, a, an album title. It was going to be called Images of Eden, but I didn't have a band name and I, I was I was at a loss, but because I mean the the way the theme of the songs, Images of Eden was the perfect album name. So I was talking to my wife one time, and I said, uh, you know, I don't know what to call the band, but I'm I mean this album's called Images of Eden. And she says, No, that's the name of the band. Think about it. Think about what you stand for, and think about the things you believe in, and and the, and the message that you're you're trying to put out there. You know, one of hope, etc. Just call it Images of Eden. I thought, you know, you're right. And it, it just stuck. So that's that's pretty much how I got that. Well, th that's really awesome. And, you know, especially, uh, you know, to bounce ideas off, uh, you know, partners and spouses and stuff. Like sometimes it just takes, you know, someone else to go, no, you should just do this because it actually makes sense. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but I, and I did want to talk about, so obviously, as I said, um, from my research of you guys, you guys are more of like a, a concept, you know, you have a concept around this band. Uh, so, like, what is the concept behind Images of Eden? You know, it, it kind of shifted about midway through, uh, and I'll, I'll kind of get into that. Uh, I started this, the writing process and all, just after I uh, got sober. And it was a really rough time for me uh, in 1997. It was, it was October of 97. And I was uh, in such a bad place uh, from alcohol, and I would I would wake up shaking in the mornings and have to drink to get rid of that. And I knew the beginning of the end was near. I was just hoping that the beginning of the end was death. Uh, one day, I just said, I can't do this one more day. That was October 26, 1997, in my 25 years coming up next week. Uh, I, I just woke up one day and I said, if you exist, kill me or take this crap out of me now. Today, I can't do this one more day. So I went to work shaking. I didn't drink. I figured, oh, I'll be okay. Whatever I have to go through. Around two o'clock, I started going into full-blown detox, uh, was taken to the ER by some friends 
my blood pressure was 213 over 186. And they said, if you hadn't come in, you'd been dead probably in about 24 hours. I was about 50 pounds underweight and you can kind of fill in the rest. So something happened in that, in that room. And they kept me there, rung me out for three days. I walked out and I never looked back. So it was sort of after that where I felt this compelling need to do this. And it was sort of my story of survival and everything I went through. The first three albums were sort of an ongoing kind of narrative uh, and through Rebuilding the Ruins, our third album. Now, after our third album, uh, a lot happened, uh, much more to even go into than you can imagine. We sort of reformed, rebranded. Uh, I'd hooked up with some amazing musicians, Steve Dorsum, uh, et cetera. And uh, at that point in time, we just sort of felt, I kind of felt a slightly different direction, but still keeping the same sound and the same concept, beginning with Soul Rise. Uh, not to give it away, but if you read the lyrics to Soul Rise, Angel Born, and Weathered and Torn, you'll notice that there is a, a, a sort of a dialogue narrative. I'll just keep it at that. Uh, but, you know, I think what it was is, you know, not just me, but we're a band of survivors. I mean, multiple guys in this band have gone through something, whether it's addiction, abuse, something like that. And we're survivors. And we want to say, look, we are proof that there is amazing, amazing life. There is an amazing life after addiction, after trauma, but you have to work through it. I know there are people on the fence in all these shows that we're playing that are trying to get off something, that are trying to get past something. And we're giving them hope and saying, look, do it. I said, I'm nobody. I'm just somebody from York, Pennsylvania, who knew he was about to die, who knew that he had to make a change. And I did. And we want to change. We want to basically lift people and bring hope and bring inspiration because it's a dark world out there. I mean, if you think yourself, think of yourself as this, you're in a, a perfectly black and blacked out room, can't see anything. Just a little pinhole of light shines so much into that room. And that's where we are. I mean, we want to say, look, we know the problems you're going through. We've been through them all, most of them. Even if we haven't been through your particular problem, we've been through something similar, and we are proof that you can not only change, but life is better now than it ever was before all of this. So it was a real blessing in disguise that I went through what I went through. Well, that was very, um, you know, intense and powerful story. Thank you so much for sharing because um, I was, you know, obviously. Absolutely. Uh, I, I want to say congratulations on 25 years uh, for being sober for you, or 20, sorry, 20 years being sober. I really, um, it, it was really cool for you, uh, you know, to, to do that, go through all that, and now to understand and inspire people um, through, you know, music, through connecting with them, through talking with them. Uh, it's it, a very powerful story, and uh, you can un you can relate to a lot of different people. Absolutely, man. So I think that's very cool, especially to incorporate that uh, into the music as well, into the concept of Images of Eden. I think it makes it even more powerful. Yeah, and you know, it wasn't something I planned. It just sort of happened. And yeah. I, I saw where the breadcrumb trails were leading, so I just followed. <laughs> Yeah, for sure, for sure. And it, it does lead us up to uh, the, the new EP, Weathered and Torn. You, you did cover it a little bit. Uh, so how was it writing and recording this EP? Definitely different than everything else. Uh, Soul Rise was its own thing. Angelborn was, and I'll always say this, it's going to be my favorite Images of Eden album. I don't care what we release after this. If we release something 
that takes us to number one. It's not going to touch Angelborn for me. Angelborn is an extremely personal album. Person personal album. It was a big healing experience for me. We are we always write stories of success, positivity, getting through, like overcoming something. Weather and Torn is a little bit different. Weather and Torn is our reaction to COVID and what we were all, I'm going to use the words, put through over the past couple of years. We all know what's happening. We, I mean, and we're all survivors of it, but it was, uh, we've all lost people. We've all been affected by this. If you say you haven't been affected by it, you're lying. Everybody has been affected. And a lot of us don't quite believe the narrative that Fauci and all those clowns are saying. I'm going to leave it at that. I'm not going to get into it any further. I think you see where I'm going. But the big thing is, I was, I mean, my my rage meter was peaking the entire time all this was happening. The shutdowns, the lockdowns, I'll leave it at that. And it's, what we're saying here is, it's okay not to be okay. You know, I mean... Yeah, we like to, to to show a positive light on things, but let's just face it: none we weren't okay. I wasn't okay. I was struggling to get through this just every day, trying not to just just freak out on somebody because I just I, I said we're all being this is being unleashed on us. This is you know how can you not see through this? And that's kind of what it was. It was just uh, a, a, just a harsh reaction, saying, "Look, we're pissed off," but. At the end of the day, no matter how angry we were, there is going to be a light at the end of the tunnel. So even songs like Coexistence and songs like Weathered and Torn that are sort of, uh, I would say, I don't want to use the word negative, but I want to use the word aggressive, angry. There is still that light at the end of the tunnel. So when you come through it, you're going to be in a good place because we're never going to end on a bad note. We all have suffered through things, but it's how you get through it. It's how you deal with it and how you get through it. So no matter how bad you're suffering, there is going to be a light at the end of the tunnel. And that's what we wanted to focus on. We wanted to say, hey, life isn't all unicorns and rainbows here. And this is proof of that. But still, at the end of the day, you will see the unicorn and rainbow, so to speak. Yeah. You, you get where I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I definitely understand what you're saying. And, um, you know, I, again, I, won't, I won't touch on it too much, but yes, the whole, you know, everything that's gone and gone on the last two years has affected everybody. And uh, some of the reactions from some people obviously upset me, you know, during that time as well. But uh, I definitely noticed a little bit of shift in music um, for you guys. It, it did seem a little bit more aggressive. Uh, obviously, there's still some positivity in there, but it seemed... Um, a little, a little bit different. A um, little shift in the music for this EP. We we tailored the music to mirror the aggression, and, and to mirror the the intensity of the emotion that we felt in reaction to everything. So I I, I couldn't. I, I find it hard to be strumming, you know, uh, you know, strumming acoustic guitar and smiling. And, and, and with the lyrics that we've got, <laughs> if you know what I mean, uh, it had to be uh, amped up a little more. Yeah, Def, I did. I, and I could tell just listening from, you know, the previous work to the new EP, you know, there, again, as I said, it's a little bit, a little bit of change in there, but also it kind of reflects of what we're like, what was going on, you know, at that time, you know, with the, um, you know, I felt the same, 
kind of level of rage at, at points, you know, in the last couple of years with everything going on. So I, I definitely understood, um, you know, what you guys were you know, going with and um, now hearing kind of the backstory, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. Absolutely, man. You know, everything that we release is a snapshot in time. Chapter one, sunlight of the spirit, rebuilding the ruins, soul rise, angel born, weathered and torn. And it's kind of cool because I look at the snapshots in time and I can kind of just sort of see the progression of, of life. And that's, that's what it was, but this is definitely a snapshot in that time. And, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Now, um, for, for you, so like, obviously we were talking about the new EP, which obviously it's out right now available on all the platforms. Uh, I believe you have physical copies as well. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I yeah, we, yeah absolutely. We, uh, uh, we're on tour right now, so we're selling physical copies at our shows as well as, uh, some vinyl of the, of the previous releases, but I think you can get it pretty much on any platform, Amazon, iTunes, uh, digital downloads, physical copies, and streaming. So wherever you want to go and wherever you normally get your music, that's it should be available. And one thing I always say is our website, imagesofeden.com, is a one-stop shop for everything. Uh, it's got everything. It's got links to our videos, lyrics, uh, reviews, uh, pics, you know, uh, social media, uh, online store, the whole nine yards. I make sure we keep that going so there's no question of where to go. Right on. I'm actually, I'll, I'll leave the website link in the description of this podcast as well. Please check out all the great awesome. stuff they have on the website. Now, uh, for you, uh, we, since you know, we did talk about recording the EP and we have talked about live shows, do you prepare differently, like mentally, to record in the studio compared to playing a live show? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, studio work is different and it's kind of odd because Ideas hit me all the time and at any time of day, I don't care if I'm at work, bathroom, driving. I mean, and I always have my phone and I always, I'm always, okay, here we go. Or I, or I voice the text, my email. Okay. Here's a piece of lyric. And I hear the arrangement kind of going like this song and into this song. And so I'm always sending myself notes. And then I've got a place where I compile all the notes. Strangely enough though, the first thing that comes to me always is song or song titles. And I, don't know why that is, but that's what comes to me first. And it's like I have a list of song titles, and I'm kind of like knowing that usually they're about 60 to 70% accurate from the first list of titles to what was actually on each album. So when I'm looking at the first list of song titles, I'm like, wow, I have no idea what this means yet. But And then after that, it's like lyrics will hit me, ideas will hit me, concepts will hit me. And it's like I almost know which song they're supposed to go to. So... I sort of kind of like piecing a, a jigsaw puzzle together. When it gets to a certain point, I can see the picture and I fill in the gaps. But along with that, once the lyrics are there, I, I almost can kind of hear a physical song or, or, or like a, a final arrangement. And then I just make my notes. I get into the studio. I lay it down how I heard it and then just kind of fine tune it after that. It's it's a different. It's, it's, it's way different in the studio than live. And in the studio, it just feels. I just, I just. I, this is. There's an incredible emotional feeling that I that I'm that I have every time. It's like I'm giving life to something that that doesn't have life, and that I know is positive. That I that I I feel is going to speak to somebody or could speak to somebody and lift them. And I know that when uh, when I've written when I've written Soul Rise and Angel Born. There were times where it, I got really emotional during the writing process or uh, tracking vocals, M more so in Angel Born. Uh, I mean, I'll just sit there and I'll be writing something and I just have to stop and just regain and just, uh, 
And I had a box of Kleenex in my vocal booth just because, I mean, I'm, some of those songs I just broke down and I had to take a break. That is the most intense and amazing feeling. Now, when I shift that to live, uh, live, I, I a lot of times, I mean, I get almost moderate to extreme anxiety before every show. Doesn't matter how much I prepare. Uh, sometimes, I mean, sometimes I would be shaking before show. Definitely for the first X amount of shows on the tour, I felt that way completely. Uh, around mid-tour, that anxiety sort of dropped. And now I would almost say it's dialed back to like a moderate level. Um, I get to play for somebody on Friday, uh, one of my biggest, well, my number one biggest vocal hero of all time. He's coming out to the show. And uh, not only do I get to meet him at the show, uh, I get to perform for him. So uh, I, I can't imagine where my head's going to be. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's it's night and day, man. <laughs> No, I, I started asking people, you know, musicians about that because, you know, it, it is it is a very different experience to record because music, as we were talking about earlier, it's energy uh, between the performers and the crowd. But in the studio, it's more you, you know, kind of by, you know, either by yourself or with you know, your band. And um, that you know, it's a different energy level compared to performing live. It absolutely is. And the one thing that I didn't do up until recently I, I you know I, I don't really even put any restrictions on the writing or put any restrictions on the vocal lines because my opinion is make the studio album as good as it can be don't scrimp on anything take it to take it to 11 and then figure it out live <laughs> you know I don't want to write for a five-piece band or a four-piece band or we were a three-piece for a while I was told well you were a three-piece band you're supposed to write for a three-piece band I said no uh, -uh absolutely not I'm writing what comes out and it's going to be layered accordingly and uh when the time comes to play live we're gonna you know we're gonna figure it out I mean we have a sixth member sort of a silent sort of part-time member named Michael Wolf who comes out and plays acoustic guitar for us on a couple songs live so yeah, just we put our best foot forward each time and do our best to recreate it as much as we can live. But definitely, it definitely has a different energy live. Oh, yeah, I, I definitely would imagine that. Now, and I did want to talk, uh, touch on one thing, and then I did have something about your live show I want to talk about as well. Uh, so I, I wish you the best on Friday. I know you guys are going to do a really great job, uh, and uh, I'm, I'm very curious how that's going to go for you, but I know you're going to have a great show. Oh, yeah, I appreciate it. Looking forward to it. I've been waiting this for waiting for this for a long time. <laughs> I know you guys are gonna do gonna do great. Hope everyone is enjoying my interview with Gordon from Images of Eden. We we'll have to take a quick pause from the conversation and hear a word from our friend Brian at Concerts That Made Us podcast. Wait, so you like concerts, podcasts, and music, and you don't listen to Concerts That Made Us podcast? Oh man, you're missing out. You've got to head over there straight away. They have interviews with the best up and coming bands, as well as some famous ones thrown in the mix too. And don't even get me started on the concert stories. Oh man, are they wild. That's Concerts That Made Us podcast. New episodes every Thursday on all podcast players. Now, and it's interesting we talk about when you, um, you know, you, you, you crank it to the max in the studio and then you figure it out live. I know there's, you know, some bands who just write for what they have or there's some that um, put way too much and then they don't know how to uh, convert that to a live show. So how, how do you do that to translate the studio stuff to a live show? You know, I, uh, 
it's kind of weird. Like I, I, I'll write something and sometimes there'll be a dual guitar harmony. Uh, <clears throat> so our, our keyboard player, Dean Harris, actually really does a, a lot of good stuff live. We, we slightly, I don't want to say the word alter, but we give it a different feel. If there is a harmony guitar, he'll he'll play that on his top keyboard. And if there's a piano part or or or, uh, or some kind of string, he'll hit that on the bottom. And sometimes he doubles the guitar. So we make sure all of the parts are there. But like I said, it has a slightly different feel. You're going to hear the same band. You're going to hear all the same energy and probably higher energy because live, you know, it, it's impossible to give the same amount of oomph in the studio as you do live. But it's it's definitely kind of a cool, slightly altered vibe. But it's uh, it's all there and then some. Well, definitely, I definitely if I ever get a chance. I definitely look forward to seeing you guys live. Now, for you, do you have a favorite song to perform live? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Serenity Rain off of Angel Born. Uh, it's just huge live. It's it's got a lot of orchestration. Starts off with acoustic guitar and some keys and some orchestration, and then it just low end bass drop and boom it's just so high energy on stage and off and it's, it's probably the biggest sound of all songs that we play live especially when it kicks in and the lyrics are extremely personal on that one and i just i just feel just this ugh. and when whenever whenever i deliver it i mean in the the, the music and you know, everybody playing at, at just 10 and the energy of everything it just it just fuels me so that's by far my favorite song live. It's really cool. And I know, again, I've talked to a few other people and um, they say like when they have a very a song that's either personal to them or something they really like, it like takes them uh, like to, uh, to they, they remember that moment like when they started recording it or like writing it or like the reason it inspired them to write the song. Uh, does that happen for you? Yes. Um, I know when I'm playing live, there's always a, a slightly different feel and there's a, there's the different, definitely different energy, but there definitely have been times and I, and I do draw back. I do draw the original emotion, the original reason that I wrote the song, the original inspiration when I'm singing it, because I feel like if you're not, then how are you going to really portray the emotion? If you're, if you're not, I mean, as that's also talk about writing, you know, if you don't write, something that is so deep that almost brings you to tears how is the how's the emotion going to be or not necessarily tears but whatever how's the emotion going to be taken by the listener it, it probably won't you have to push yourself to really just and there have been a couple times with some of these songs especially serenity rain where i get to certain parts and i start to get a little teary-eyed and I just you know shake it off you're live don't do it now but just channel it into and you know and that's what I do. Um, and I know that has to come across that way because how could it not? I mean, we have a brand new song actually that's right behind Serenity is The Dead Me, which is off of Weathered and Torn. The second verse of that song, I'm just like crying out the lyrics almost every night. And I know that's obvious. I know they can feel it because I feel it again. I feel that pain that I went through 25 years ago and I'm portraying that out to the to the crowd and say, this is how bad it was, but I'm not that guy anymore. And I know they feel that they have to. Well, it, it's something I, I kind of thought of, um, you know, recently is that m music is almost purely emotion based. You know, that's why people write music. That's the lyrics for it. it it's all emotion based. And if you take the emotion out of it, then it doesn't, it doesn't have that soul anymore. So 
to put in you know, as you, that abundance of emotion and people can see that, but also it makes, it makes the connection to the music even more stronger. I'm so glad you said that. I've, I've said that before where music is, it, 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 it is, yeah, it speaks beyond the intellect. It speaks into the soul. It speaks into the spirit. It's emotional. It's everything you said. It is, it goes beyond language barriers uh, political differences, uh, anything that's set religious differences, anything that separates us from each other, from all humans on earth and music can bridge the gaps where other differences divide. And that's kind of where we want to stand. We have, uh, we've got fans in different parts of the uh, different parts of the world that don't even speak English. Or, I mean, I've connected with a, with a band years ago in a, a in Guatemala, I couldn't even communicate with the drummer right away because he didn't speak English, but we were right here. Music broke down that barrier. And that's what I love to see. Racial barriers, any kind of tension, you know, I, music unites and that's how it's supposed to be. Music can heal, but music can also destroy. If you put a, if you put a negative message out there, it, uh, it can, it can do damage if the person will let it, let it get in. But if you put a positive message, it can heal from within. And in my opinion, it's one of the most powerful forces that we have at our disposal. I 100% agree with that. I, I had a very similar conversation with somebody else very recently as well. And we pretty much what you, what you said, music is universal. That even if you don't understand the language, you can still connect with the music. And what you said about like the, the negative, you know, there's positive and negative energy, you know, with associated with music, depending on the message people want to tell others. And to me, music should unite people. It should not divide people because there, there's so much that goes on in the world. I don't think music, you know, it doesn't need to divide people anymore. There's so much division anyway with a bunch of different things. It should be a uniting force. Yep. I, I totally agree. And it's, uh, I just hope, you know, more people see that. I think a lot of people know that I mean, most people listen to music, to escape, to get, to get away from the, the, from the world. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's one of those things where music is sort of a time machine music. When you hear a certain song, it'll take you back to a certain day and time. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like certain sense when you smell something familiar, it'll take you back to a place in time. Music has always done that to me. There's songs that take me back to growing up. There's songs that take me back to some amazing times. There's songs that I can't listen to because it brings too much, negative emotion back it definitely and i i totally understand what you say you know what you what you say about that as well because um you know even though i'm only in my early 20s there's some bands who either remind me of somebody who i don't want to you know don't want to be reminded of or you know a time where i don't want to think about anymore but it, it is very interesting how music you know um kind of evokes that kind of different memories of people based on like whatever the the song or you know whatever what, what whatever was going on in their lifetime Yep, exactly. And it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, I wouldn't want to be doing anything else. <laughs> exactly. Now, uh, as I'm wrapping up this interview, I do got one more question for you. And then we're going to talk about the future plans for in images of Eden. So what, um, is there a dream venue you want to perform at that you've not yet? Uh, a venue? Uh, yeah. Wacken open air in, uh, in Germany. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's that's sort of like the, the 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 goal I think for for many. 
the main stage, but uh, you know, that's kind of like step 100 and we're at like step 15 or 16. So we're, we're, we're going to, we're going to push. Uh, I mean, we, we definitely, we, our, our goal is to get to Europe, get to Japan. Uh, we started having some conversations last night to, uh, to kind of move forward and uh, everything starts off as an idea and a conversation. And then next thing you know, you're making plans and you're booking flights. So Honestly, I wasn't even expecting to get this far based on what I know about the music business and how absolutely, I'm going to put it real, how absolutely horrible it is. Uh, but so I'm already feeling like we're on bonus time right now. Being able to tour with Michael Schenker, Inving Malmsteen, Metal Church, Doro, playing shows with, played a show with Jeff Tate, with Striper, meeting people that I've looked up to as a kid. We've won. But we're not, we don't want to stop here. We want to keep going, absolutely, as, as far as we can take it. it. It can be straight horrible, but there's also a lot of positivity that does come out of it as well. I know you guys uh, are very, very positive with everything, and I do hope you get to step 100. I, I know you guys are definitely working towards all that, and then it would be so cool uh, to have you guys be uh, you know, touring internationally as well. Yep, that's what we're working towards. I appreciate the great words, absolutely. Of course, of course. Now, uh, last thing. Uh, so, what does twenty twenty, the rest of twenty twenty two, look like, and what does next year twenty twenty three look like? Yeah, I'll tell you what. I'll back up to January of twenty twenty two. After our tour last year, uh, we ended just before the holidays, and we said, "Okay, let's just relax over the holidays, and then you know, early January, let's uh, let's talk about the plans." So we pulled our label in and said, "Okay, we have a few ideas." <clears throat> Long story short, after we talked through a game plan with our label, uh, it was decided, hey, we're going to do an EP and uh, we're going to we're going to actually hit Europe really hard. Uh, so it was, you know, it was great. It was right. We had that conversation in early February and our label contact Tim said, OK, guys, so I'll tell you what you do. Get this thing written, go in the studio in March and we'll get this thing out in June. I'm thinking, whoa, hold on. I have to write this stuff. I have to, I, you know, I, I knew it was going to take some time. So. Um, but literally within four months, I was able to, you know, get it written, get it tracked, upgrade my studio because I finally got to the point that, that I was going to do the, the production and the mixing. Uh, did the mixing, sent it off to our producer, Bill Matoyer, who did the mastering. And uh, at the same time we're doing this, we're planning the Michael Shanker tour. Uh, I literally was able to hand in the EP the very last day so that we could get it released on September 16th. So I was working at breakneck speed from basically February to present without time for bathroom breaks. Man, I have to pencil those in, it seems like. This is what I wanted, though. This is what I asked for. So I couldn't be happier. But I'll tell you what, at the this has this tour, we've been on tour four times. This this one is no joke. And I mean, I that's a whole nother podcast worth of information. So I know when I get home, I'm probably just gonna collapse for a while. And I know we want to just sort of let the dust settle, shake off what just happened in the whole last nine or 10 months, and then uh, kind of see where where do we stand here? Where, where do we stand with everything that's happened? Where do we stand with opportunities that have come from the tour, from the context that we've made? So we're just going to kind of look at all the chips uh, or, or all the puzzle pieces that are on the table, all, all the cards that are on the table, whatever you want to call it, and just say, okay, here's what we're looking at. What do we want to do next? Obviously, I'm going to you know continue to write for for album number seven, and I've already got some songs kind of uh, sort of in process, probably about five or six that are already in process. Uh, 
So I, you know, I think uh, right around after Thanksgiving, uh, I'll feel like, uh, you know, sort of re-energized and ready to dive into the studio. I have a feeling that's probably what it's going to be. But, you know, it's the different hats. I'm in the studio one day, so I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm doing my thing. And then the next day, okay, now it's business. So we're going to talk about something. I never mix the two. I never do business and then, you know, the business side and then jump in the studio. Because honestly, the business side, I hate it. It's, it's what pollutes your mind. I mean, our label guys are great, and we have some great people in our corner. Uh, the guys in Pavement, Muncie Ricci from uh, uh, from Skateboard Marketing, and uh, all of our team at Pavement. So we've got some great people in our in our court. But the problem is, when you deal with so many other people, uh, whether it's well, I'll just fill in the blanks. There are no credentials needed to be in the music business, and unfortunately, you see that. Uh, it's just, uh, oh, I want to be in the music business. I have no skills. I have no, but I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And, and, and that those people are plainly obvious in your day-to-day -day travels. But the real ones and the real deals, those are hard to find. So when you find them, you hold on to them. And uh, we have found some. So we are holding on to them. Uh, I just had to throw that out there just because that's the way it is. <laughs> when, I, when you talk about the business, the business, when I deal with the business side, it just pollutes me and sours me. So I have to kind of shake that off, take the hat, put it off, you know, put the, 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 the creative hat on. And then I go to that good place that I won't, it's like sort of this bubble. I won't let anything negative inside when the, when there's writing or when there's inspiration, there's nothing that's going to pollute that happy space. Well, and, and that, that's how it should be. And I know there's, as you said, there the, the true professionals in the music industry really stand out because there's a lot that are not exactly professional, but the ones that do, they definitely stand out and those are the people to uh, to work with. Absolutely, totally agree. So, but I uh, I look forward to uh, obviously, you guys, yeah, as you said, work on new music. Uh, I, I wish you the best thing for the insight of like, you know, putting that bubble around to, to block out that negative energy for you can uh, write all this positive energy and put that uh, positive music out there. Uh, absolutely, man. I appreciate you saying that. Definitely means means a lot, man. As I said, I'm going to leave some links in the description. Make sure to check out the website. The new EP, Weathered and Torn, currently on all the platforms, plus physical copies. Make sure to see images of Eden live when you can. Gordon, I had a fantastic time chatting with you. Thank you so much. Oh, Matthew, you too, man. Thanks for having me, bud. Lo would love to do it again next time. And, uh, yeah, uh, keep doing what you're doing. And one thing I do want to say is I want to just say that our press people who 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 help promote us and all, we hold them up here, man, because you guys are furthering what we want to do. You're furthering that dream that we've had ever since we were kids. So thank you right here. <laughs> thank you. So thank you, brother. Appreciate it. You have, have a great rest of your day. I appreciate all the kind words. I hope you have a great rest of your day as well. For Gordon of Images of Eden, I'm your host as always, Matthew Thomas. Thank you so much for watching and listening to Super Cool Radio. And remember, stay frosty.